Welcome to Recovering My Inner Child. My name is Kawan Saluja. Our first reading comes from Melody Beatty's The Language of Letting Go. The topic is letting people be there for us. Sometimes we need nurturing. Sometimes we need people to support us. Many of us have been deprived of support and nurturing for so long, we may not realize it's something we want and need. Many of us have learned to block or, or stop ourselves from getting what we want and need. Um, you know, a lot of times you hear the phrase, the design for living, and, you know, it's taken a lot of programs to give me that design for living. But one of the books that I read, I've uh, been reading is by, uh, you know, a guy well-known in addiction circles, Patrick Carnes, and he was talking about the area of nurturing and like the importance of it. And what was striking to me was, you know, a lot of quote unquote people I would consider functional or recovery. It totally made sense for me, like that being the first step to recovery um, was confusing. And what, what was super cool about it was not only that, there was like examples given, you know, and then the next step was, you know, senses regarding a, a change of senses, which, you know, again, I think trauma, that fight or flight, I would guess that's just being in my head probably. And just, you know, getting to that, you know, Pete Walker talks about the concept of emotional flashbacks and just, you know, getting in your body, telling yourself that you're safe, just talking out loud. And, you know, I want, I, I realize now that like, I want and need nurturing. It's not a selfish act. In fact, you know, I feel like my relationships and things go a lot better when I have the right amount of sleep, for example. So it's actually like kind of a goal to aspire to, you know, rather than the martyrdom of I only had five hours of sleep. Anyways, back to the reading. We may reach out to have our needs met. We may be in relationships with people who cannot or will not be available to meet our needs. Or we may be in relationships with people who would be happy to respond to a direct request from us. We may have to give up something to do this. We may have to let go of our martyr or victim role. See, I said martyr. If we ask for what we want and need and get those needs met, we will not be able to punish our, uh, people or push them away later on for disappointing us. We may have to let go of our fears enough to experience the intimacy that will occur when we allow someone to love and support us. We may even have to learn one day at a time how to be happy and content. Learn to let others be there for us. Don't go to the hardware store for milk, too. Um, and go where there's warm is an, another saying that I really like. Today, I will be open to identifying what I need from people and will ask for what I want directly. I will let others be there for me. The next reading also comes from Melody Beatty's The Language of letting go, and oh boy, the topic is detachment. One day my son brought a gerbil home to live with us. We put it in the cage. Sometime later, the gerbil escaped. For the next six months, the animal ran frightened and wild through the house. So did we, chasing it. There it is, get it, we'd scream each time someone spotted the gerbil. I or my son would throw down whatever we were working on, race across the house, and lunge at the animal, hoping to catch it. I worried about it even when we didn't see it. This isn't right, I think. I can't have a gerbil running loose in the house. We've got to catch it. We've got to do something. A small animal, that's, we've got to do something. That make it, it happen rather than, uh, you know, let go and let God. Or I like more, uh, you know, God can move mountains, but but we got to shovel is something that my uh, a friend of mine, spawns, uh, Tom, says. A small animal the size of a mouse had the entire household in a tizzy. One day, while sitting in the living room, I watched the animal scurry across the hallway. In frenzy, I started to lunge at it, as I usually did. Then I stopped myself. 
No, I said, I'm all done. If that animal wants to live in the nooks and crannies of this house, I'm going to let it. I'm done worrying about it. I'm done chasing it. It's an irregular circumstance, but that's just the way it's going to have to be. I let the gerbil run past without reacting. I felt slightly uncomfortable with my new reaction. Not reacting, but I stuck to it anyway. I got more comfortable with my new reaction, not reacting. Before long, I became downright peaceful with the situation. Interesting. I, I think I heard, I interviewed Lisa Romano with a podcast and she had mentioned, um, you know, the way to, you know, deal with narcissists is to not react. It sounds so counterintuitive. Back to the reading. Before long, I became downright peaceful with the situation. I'd stopped fighting the gerbil. One afternoon, only weeks after I started practicing my new attitude, the gerbil ran by me, as it had so many times, and I barely glanced at it. The animal stopped in its tracks, turned around, and looked at me. I started to lunge at it. It started to run away. I relaxed. Fine, I said. Do what you want. And I meant it. One hour later, the gerbil came and stood by me and waited. I gently picked it up and placed it in its cage, where it has lived happily ever since. The moral of the story, don't lunge at the gerbil. He's already frightened and chasing him just scares him more and makes us crazy. Detachment works. Today, I will be comfortable with my new reaction, not reacting. I will feel at peace. And that's the thing about changing the actions. That seems so abnormal, you know, to not react. But like in a dysfunctional family, maybe you don't have time to react or I didn't have time to react. I don't want to speak for anybody, but, uh, you know, most of day-to-day life, you know, I don't have to react or be an approval seeker. Um, I get to choose. There's no have to. Speaking of have to, we move on to the next reading, which is ACA Strengthening My Recovery. The topic is perfectionism. In other homes, the children are like objects of perfection to be displayed alongside dinners, centered on tables with fine fixtures, perfect posture and orderly spoons and forks. This is what drove me nuts, you know, especially because like, you know, I had high visibility as a kid and it made me uh, kind of retreat into hiding for several years. And, you know, being, I've been in a TV show when I was 12, for example, and just not being able to just enjoy creativity for creativity's sake. I think that's another thing is I'm taking like a YouTube class and, you know, I could hear from People saying, well, what are you doing? What's, what's your business strategy? It's, it's like, because I like it? Because I like to do it? Is that okay? Back to the reading. Holidays and celebrations bring guests who compliment the parents for sparkling floors and perfect children. This is what Alice Miller refers to, you know, in the drama of the gifted child, that the grandiose person is never happy. He rests on achievement. And it's just unbelievable that so many uh talented, gifted children who think they had a great childhood actually didn't. And when not achieving, uh, can go into depression. There's a a beautiful chapter that Alice Miller has in the drama, the gifted child talking about grandiosity versus depression. Back to the reading. This is going to be an intense learning experience, I can tell. A more subtle and powerful undercurrent in our alcoholic or otherwise dysfunctional families was ever-present control, although the type of control may not have always seemed clear. Whether our houses resemble museums or they were well-cluttered expressions of love may have been flowery and superficial and had strings attached. The essence of these dysfunctional expressions was not authentic, and we knew it. 
that's the other thing superficial and strings attached like okay keep doing the show but also get the grades and you know learn how to do this just never stop don't cause trouble back to the reading this is crazy for a kid when you think about it the actual object of all the cleanliness or slot and you know i don't want to get into a blame thing because i'm it's like pia melody talks about accountability but you know it is about building compassion for everyone but including yourself it's not like oh i'll build compassion for everyone else and then i'll like worry about myself there it's like no uh, you know it's a as the aca big red book talks about this is a, a normal reaction to an abnormal situation you know it's called trauma for a reason and you know if you want to look at it there's an ace study about that i think uh, uh you know uh but anyways back to the reading whether a house is uh a more subtle and powerful undercurrent in our alcoholic or otherwise dysfunctional families was ever present control. Well, the type of control may not have always seemed clear. Whether our houses resemble museums or they were well cluttered, expressions of love may have been flowery and superficial and had strings attached. The essence of these dysfunctional expressions was not authentic and we knew it. The actual object of all the cleanliness or sloppiness, the pseudo expression of love was inauthentic. Deep inside, our true self saw that the real motive was the suppression of the possibility of admitting that things were out of control. So we bought in and acted out the subconscious conflict to both avoid being ostracized and to keep our own feelings of being out of control from surfacing. Gradually, when the sense of chaos crept into our consciousness as adults, when we hit an emotional, spiritual, and physical bottom, we found ACA. Thank God for that. In this humble state, we're given the gift of recovery, as we recollect the memories of our upbringing, admit our terror and grieve our losses. On this day, I will examine the control in my family and the effect it had on my adult life. It was suffocating, not breathing. And you know, if you confuse, or if I confuse authority figures with people like my, you know, where I grew up, you know, I'm going to think that I have to be suffocated by authority figures, can't be myself, can't express myself, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is just not true. It's just transference, which I learned in Hoffman process, which I would highly recommend. I will practice the ACA program to help process the unexpressed traumatic fear and buried memories so that I may be free of control. Wow. And the final reading also comes from ACA Strengthening My Recovery, the topic, Seeking Affirmation. Most adult children constantly seek affirmation, but do not truly believe compliments and praise when they come. Some of us cringed at our own birthday parties because we were uncomfortable with the attention we had originally sought. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, you know, I don't know where I got in that I needed to earn a birthday party. Anyways, when our partners found us attractive, we felt nervous and distracted. I'm going through this now. When others complimented us, the only way we felt worthy of the praise was by returning it. Yeah. We achieved all our goals. God, I love this literature. We achieved all our goals only to find that we were not satisfied. Our dream life with our dream job and dream relationship still didn't fix us. The more successful we were, the more anxious we became. Fear of not getting what you want, fear of losing what you have. Turn that over to a higher power of my own understanding. Go on. Back to the reading. As we heal in ACA, we learn to accept compliments without needing to return them. Simple thank you. We can let the words hang in the air like sweet perfume, like silence. Thank you. Pause. One, two, three. We can enjoy when we do something well, not because someone is watching, not because we expect affirmation from someone else, but because we know we did a good job. 
More importantly, we can even allow ourselves to fail and still love those wounded parts inside of us, even when others do not. Still love those wounded parts inside of us. And I think voice dialogue therapy and internal family systems is very helpful here. At least we made the effort. Maybe our mistakes will eventually lead to success, but even if they don't, we'll, we'll be all right. Our relationships with our higher power and inner children become enough for us. I love that. Our relationships with our higher power and inner children become enough for us. We're enough just as we are for today and every day. On this day, if I do something imperfectly, I will remember that I also do a lot of things right. I have many reasons to be proud of myself. And that concludes today's powerful readings of Recovering My Inner Child. Until next time, this is Kowan Saluja to remind myself that I have many reasons to be proud of myself, that I can't cause, control, or cure a dysfunctional family, and to pause because that is where God is. And I will add one more. Don't just do something. Stand there.